On the climb out of Turif, I met a man twice my age. He appeared from around the corner ahead with two front panniers as red as his jacket and the rowan berries which flanked my uphill and his downhill. On seeing me, he raised his right hand from the bars, but he held it a little higher and a little longer than the customary wave of passing wheelers. Without thought, I stretched my right arm out in invitation, hand open like a plate, and I edged a little nearer to the middle of the road. In the seconds before we met, I said, High five? High five, he echoed, and our hands met exactly and momentarily, with the solid thwack of a cricket ball into a leather glove, which pushed the giggles straight out of me as I curved the bend from which he had come, and with right hand tingling from the impact, I slipped into a mile of easy freewheeling laughter. You're a hopeless romantic, I say to myself as I push up the back lanes of these farmlands in the late sun. Starlings murmur to flirtatious clouds. The heart snatch of a swift's tail suddenly up close and then gone again. The world teases. I hear music. You always hear music, I say to myself as I lean into the wind and listen for tunes. It's just this landscape I rationalise. It's just memory and nostalgia and some future yearning which makes you hear tunes when there's only the sound of the wind and other normal things. I ride on as the music hardens into an unquestionable line. Rattling past the next farm, I slow down to catch the glimpse of the piper who stands on the concrete slush yard and plays to a woman in a high-vis jacket holding a horse. There's no event here. It seems like it's a private moment that I've shared. I travel onwards, more convinced of my own senses. I was thinking about Dervla and the invention of Lycra when I dropped into the final town to ask for water. The kind-eyed shopman filled my bottles up 
looking behind me for my boyfriend or my father, or at the very least a friend, because it's the aloneness that is strange, I think, because women shouldn't be alone in the woods after dark. Replenished, I climb slowly back up the hill and pass a group of younger men drinking in the sunset outside their local. They smile, and I smile back, and I feel them watching me then as my arms flex and my thighs flare, and as I climb and climb and climb out of their small town and into the sweet darkness of the woods with 300 miles of Scotland between my legs. that must have become dislodged <laughs> by the landscape or something. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you get that. Either. Anyway, um, nice to hear from you and I will speak to you soon. I'm going to turn my phone off now for the night. Alright, lots of love. Feeding my feathers yows. How blithe was I each morn to see My lass coming over the hill She skipped the burn and she ran to me I met her with good will Oh, the broom, the bonny, bonny broom the broom of the cowed and owls. Fain would I be in my own country, feeding my feathers yows. We neither wanted you or lamb, while the flock near us lay. She gathered in the sheep at night, and cheered me all the day. Oh, the broom, the bonny, bonny broom, the broom of the cowed and owls. Fain would I be in my own country, feeding my feathers yows. Hard fate that I should banish be. Gang wearily and mourn, because I loved her fairest lass that ever yet was born. Oh, the broom, the bonny, bonny broom, the broom of the cowden owls. 
Fain would I be in my own country, feeding my feathers, ye owls. Adieu, ye cowed and owls, adieu. Farewell, a pleasure's there to wander by her side again is all I hope and care. Oh, the broom, the bonny, bonny broom, the broom of the cowden owls. Fain would I be in my own country, feeding my feathers, ye owls. On the next table, a family talk about lockdown haircuts. A man, a woman and their son. It looks like a real holiday. Phones out, small talk, habitual relating. I gaze back to my dinner date. His head slicked black and floating. A bullet in the water. There for a second and then gone again, gone under. His nose, sleek, nostrils open, and then a whole face. Finally, he looks over. I've waited all week to see you, I say. I sip my beer. I think I've arrived, I write in my notebook, as the drizzle starts to come. Although I'm not sure I knew where I was going. I just followed the feel of flesh and steel here. The symbiosis of animal instinct and mechanical engineering. And now the air, thick with salt, invites me to slow and savour. A plane takes off nearby. It's the Poseidon, the man at the next table exclaims in an incredibly English accent. That is such a quiet engine, he says with vigour. Phones aloft, the family ooh and ah, as the great grey metal soars over us and drowns everything. That is incredibly quiet, the man shouts over the roar. I smile and soften, and I look down to my friend in the water, his pointed snout like the nose of that plane which now shadows the bay. With another glance, He slides under. The next morning, I leave, flesh and steel whirring again. The clicking sound which worried me for all of the previous day is gone. I do not question the change. For why should she not also be as comforted by sea air and salt water? We move more quietly than ever, slipping in and out of slipstream, skin and metal, feet and pedal, an engine together.
It's a long way to come to eat a bagel. But it's autumn now, and I crave solitude again. Today the paths are filled with efficient, well-clad walkers. I pass puffer jackets of all colours as I stride upwards from the car park. The jackets talk in snippets as they pass me, about puppies and pensions, about unread WhatsApp messages, his new job, the holiday, the weather. I smile, well practised of a non-committal footpath hello, but I don't want a conversation today, not while I'm still in the middle of this one. We people have got good at ignoring each other. We're so well practised at ignoring ourselves. When the path empties of walkers for a moment, I remember the first beach I slept on alone in Scotland. As darkness fell with the promise of undiscovery, the beach got louder and closer until it was all-consuming. Even the pebbles began shouting in their thousands. I remember needing to finish cooking and cursing every time I had to look down. And the next morning was the same. The half moon hanging while the sun rose and breakfast was a nightmarish distraction. It's not that we understand each other in the way that sometimes, but rarely, happens between people. We communicate in different frequencies. I witness only a blinking second of what this world is saying. But sometimes, I feel a complete absence of misunderstanding. I find a wet rock and sit on my coat. The bagel is cold, but still juicy with butter. I catch my flask before it rolls off the edge and drink tiny mugs of Yorkshire. I think how right it feels to be here, but also how there is nothing natural or unnatural about any of it. I'm no closer to my true self today, craving bread and preferring rocks to people, as I am when I crave touch or the chatter of a crowd. And this land too, lying beneath me, in its even fields, sliced horizontally, sectioned and divided, treeless and naked. This footpath walked endlessly into a deep crevice. We don't ask any questions of each other. I'm sitting here on this stack of rock, typing this into my phone. And soon I'll send it to you. Instinct guiding me through the mist.
thanks so much for listening to episode three of Making Tracks, a podcast series from me, Rowan Reingantz. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the previous two episodes, then maybe send them to a friend. This podcast is made possible through the financial and energetic support of my patrons on patreon.com forward slash Rowan Reingantz, as well as making this uh, irregular but heartfelt podcast series. We also meet up occasionally for a Zoom gig and I also send one exclusive unreleased track per month to my lovely Patreon tribe. So if you'd like to join us, then please check that out. You'd be very welcome. Until next time, be well and keep dreaming of adventures.